Welcome to Wizard Studies. Join us as we peruse all things Potter. Hello and welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Audrey. And I'm Katie. And today we are going to be talking about Ickle Duddykins, <laughs> Dudley Tursley, Harry's least favorite and only cousin. Yeah, we're going to get into that in a bit. We have a lot to talk about up front on this pod. Um, given things that we've done in our lives, aka Katie, and the current state of the world, and stuff we have going on with our podcast and everything. So hold on a sec for the (laughs) deadly discussion. Um, I know you can't wait for it. But first, we just wanted to say, so this episode is not coming out until like June 23rd. Um, So it's kind of like a month late, but this is our first time recording. We record in advance. So this is our first time recording since um, George Floyd was murdered and the like response of um, promoting anti-racism and lifting up black voices and kind of the the media attention on this, this issue that has been happening obviously for centuries and since the creation of the United States and before that actually. But we just wanted to first make clear where we stand on that. Um, We are committed personally to educating ourselves and becoming actively anti-racist. We are two white women and we um, are recognizing our white privilege and working to improve ourselves, um, doing everything we can, or I mean, no one's doing everything they can, everyone can do better, but we're doing our best to um, donate when we can and take take part in protests when we can and just work to educate ourselves and those around us um, in order to make a better country and a better society for all of us to live in. Um, We also, since we are a Harry Potter podcast, wanted to take this time just to try to direct your attention to some um, Potterheads of color who have been speaking out in the community and as white women as white women we want to um, instead of trying to drown out their voices with our own uh, our own words on this subject really just lift up black voices and um, voices of color in the community so um, one group that has been doing I mean has been doing great work for a while but is kind of gaining more attention in the Potterhead community with recent events is Black Girls Create. Um, And they're kind of like, I don't really know how to describe it, but they're kind of like this collective of Mm -hmm. creators who are black women. And they um, have a podcast, Wizard Team, and they're doing a lot of good work calling out uh, LeakyCon and just different uh, prejudices and um, racist behaviors that they've experienced in the community. Um, so definitely go, if you're a Potterhead that cares about these issues, well, you should care about these issues regardless, but definitely go give them a follow, look at what they have, um, available for resources and just listen to their voices and raise up their voices. Um, we do want to say that they were the group that, or are the group that has that t-shirt that we were talking about on (laughs) our Lavender episode. I don't know. Yes everybody remembers this but (laughs) i we talked about how lavender 
is portrayed as black in the first two movies or first three movies and then um then portrayed by a white actor and so there's this t-shirt with a list of all of the black character names in Harry Potter and we saw this t-shirt a bunch at LeakyCon and didn't realize who it was couldn't remember who what group made it um but it is Black Girls Create I looked on their website when we were recording that episode and I couldn't find it so I think that it's like that t-shirt is back up on their website for purchase um I'm thinking about purchasing it if if you want to find it somewhere we can like link or um just post a link to their merchandise page because I think it's a really cool shirt Katie, do you want to talk about other voices? Yeah, that- quickly before we move off of Black Girls Create, I want to say that they're the um, group that has been doing the, like, House Cup donation oh, yeah. run, and they've been extending it for a while now. And I will say that as of today, um, of record date, it is the last day that they're doing it. They've been extending it a lot, um, so I don't know if they will extend it again, but the most recent update was Hufflepuff was in the lead. Damn it! <laughs> But, like, it's not official because they haven't announced, like, the final standings. But the last, like, their last update before the final was Hufflepuff in the lead. So, I assume oh, Ravenclaw's that... Ravenclaw's in second. Yeah. I think that the standings will probably shake up because Hufflepuff had been, like, fourth for most of the time, I think. Slytherin was up. fourth for a while and they jumped up and then Hufflepuff yeah. was fourth. Because Ravenclaw was, like, first for the first time. Yeah, Ravenclaw was first for a really long time. I need to go find a screen. (laughs) Um, Audrey and I both, um, I had donated previously, and then I donated more when I saw this. um, And both of us posted about it and got points for a house team. So that was, like, a really fun way to integrate the Potter community and kind of motivate, get some competition um, flowing to motivate people to donate. I also want to speak about one other podcast that I have started listening to in the past couple days. It is the House of Black podcast. It's run by a woman of color who's actually also part of the LGBTQ community. Um, So it's a great, like, really diverse voice to hear and, like, add to your collection of voices that all speak about Harry Potter. She does read-throughs, two chapters each episode, I believe is what she normally does. And she also speaks about a theme that is prevalent in those episodes in those two chapters so I started at the beginning of Prisoner of Azkaban and that first episode is about dehumanization and kind of how the Dursleys and how specifically Aunt Marge work to dehumanize Harry and she obviously picks up on a lot of different things than I would as a white woman listening to it just a a new voice to listen to she's really good it is explicit but if you listen to us you already listened to explicit (laughs) podcast so I recommend it it's really good um they're a little bit shorter than most read-through episode most read-through podcasts and I've listened to so that's also kind of nice if you're looking for I think the episodes are around like 40 minutes at least the two that I've listened to so far are and I've also become a patron of hers because I really just want to do what I can to support and amplify black voices during this time and continue to do that throughout the rest of my life yeah this is not not just a trend. We should continue this. Um, none of this work is ever done. Yeah. Okay, so shifting gears a little bit, we want to send out kind of a reminder on our Pride fundraiser because um, this episode is coming out kind of coming up on the last week of June. 
it's still early in June, um, so when we're recording this, but thank you for everyone who has donated thus far. Um, I've sent out all the buttons to people that have donated so far, so hopefully you've received those. And we, just a reminder, so we are running this fundraiser where you can donate to our GoFundMe, which all of the proceeds will then go to True Colors United. And then um, when you donate, if you send us your address, we will send along a pack of three pride buttons, Harry Potter themed pride buttons. And um, you can find all the information for this and the GoFundMe on the episode notes or on our social media. We wanted to do something to celebrate pride this year um, and also try and have an impact and help out a um, LGBTQ organization. So the also, if you don't have the means to donate or like we talked about, a lot of people are donating to anti-racist groups right now. Um, if you're doing that, that's awesome. Or if you don't have the means to, that's totally fine. Please, please, please reach out to us if you want buttons because we have a lot of buttons and I have no use for all of these buttons. So um, just send us your mailing address and we will get you a pack of buttons, no problem at all. Um, really, we just want these buttons to like go across the country and, and just help people um, celebrate pride a little bit this month. And we know it's a difficult time to do so, so yeah just let us know and we will definitely get those to you yes sorry i think that is also pretty important um at least i feel a lot of pride wearing my (laughs) pride buttons because i think it's important to remind people of both just like the general community and the harry potter community that we don't stand for prejudice that Mm -hmm. maybe somebody um might or perpetuate that prejudice um i'm speaking of course of jk rowling so i think that (laughs) yes so i think it's very important and i think that it's important for me to do that just to like prove to people not that i really need to prove to anybody anything but like prove to people that we as potterheads are a very like open and accepting community and we are not prejudiced for the most part so we try not to be there are issues yes yes (laughs) (laughs) um and i also just wanted to talk a bit about true colors united the organization we chose um in the context of this renewed anti-racist um anti-racism activism and so true colors united as we've talked about on previous episodes and on our social media they're an organization that works to end homelessness and queer youth and Um, I was just looking a bit because I like know that just youth youth of color in general are at much higher um, risk for homelessness but I was looking a bit on their website to see what they have to say about race and now as I am talking about this I can't find the page that I wanted to bring up (laughs) where did it go Oh, okay. So they like cite some studies here um, in their information about how uh, black and African-American youth had an 83% higher risk of homelessness compared to their white peers. Um, And then that gets compounded with um, sexuality and um, gender identity. So 
LGBTQ youth of color are at a particularly high risk of homelessness and make up a disproportionate number of LGBTQ youth experiencing homelessness. According to a recent study, LGBTQ youth of color experienced some of the highest rates of homelessness and housing instability. Um, they're vulnerable to discrimination in education, employment, housing, and involvement in the criminal justice system. Um, and so basically all sorts of prejudices are always intersecting and interacting with each other um, and racism and homophobia and transphobia are ones that kind of come together a lot. We see this with trans women of color um, being at the intersection of kind of all of those. So I think it's just important to, to draw your attention to the fact that like this organization is doing conscious work um, not only just to help like all queer youth of all queer youth, but also specifically queer youth of color. And we find that this is really important. Um, I mean, ending homelessness is like a great way to like stop poverty and help people get education and stuff like that. So we really like the work that True Colors United is doing. And hopefully if you are able, you can help us um, contribute to our donation to them. And if you can't, again, just let us know and we still want to get you some buttons. Yeah. So last thing, well, not really the last thing, uh, but super quickly, I just want to remind everybody about the Facebook group giveaway that we are running. So by the end of June, we're going to randomly draw a person who's a part of our Facebook group to win a like prize pack. That's yet TBD, not yet to be determined at the moment, but it's going to be good. Um, so if you haven't already, I really encourage you to join our Facebook group. Um, I really enjoy going on it every day. I know right now we're kind of doing the 30 days of Harry Potter challenge. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we'll still be doing this at this point. In mm, I might have just added. Um, but it was a great way to start discussion. It was really fun every day to kind of see what other people put as their answers to the questions. And we want to kind of continue that vibe of continuing the conversation about Harry Potter and like I said, I think probably the first time I talked about the Facebook group, that's where we will be posting a lot of like articles that we found um, in terms of like each episode, things that we found super helpful, things that we found super interesting. That's kind of where we will put those resources. So join our Facebook group, please. And I bet you thought we were done and we were starting with Dudley, but in fact we are not because I have... Um, I was lucky enough, I am an annual pass holder to Universal Studios, and I was lucky enough to be able to go to Universal the first day that it was open, both in the annual pass preview as well as the first day it was open to the public. So obviously this is coming out a little bit after that had happened, but as of date of recording, it is the 6th, as I mentioned before, and I've gone twice now, and I just wanted to kind of let everybody know about the COVID updates and what I've learned, and maybe some tips and tricks to help you when you do decide, or if you do decide to go out in public during the pandemic. I just want to start off by saying that it was a, this was a decision that I made. I know that not everybody is in the position to be able to go to a place like Universal, um, that's super crowded. I It was something that I chose to do and I don't want anybody else to feel like they have to. I want you to make a decision for yourself as well. 
So I'm going to kind of go through what it looks like at Universal. I do have some talking points. Um, so first, when you pull in, you park kind of as normal. The first day, I don't, I didn't notice them doing this, but the second day they did, they blocked off every other parking spot when we were pulling in so you could still kind of distance between people. The first day they did not do that, as I said, and then later they would fill in those other parking spots, but just so people aren't getting out at the same time, they did every other. Then you walk through and you get a temperature check. So I people have been, I don't know if you've seen these around, but it doesn't touch you at mm. all. It's not one that you like put in your mouth or anything. They just, it kind of like goes just right by your forehead. You have a place where you can stand where a team member will take your temperature. And I believe it's, if it's above like, like 100 maybe, there's a cutoff. I don't know exactly what it is, but then you're not allowed to enter the park if it's above yeah. a certain number. You do have to wear your face mask at all times from the time you get out of your car to the time you get back in your car that's how I chose to interpret the rules some other people did other things uh. <laughs> um so then for the uh annual pass preview my check-in time I got the earliest check-in time in the earliest date uh, my check-in time was 8 45 and the park was opening at nine o'clock so you get in line I will say that in the line to get in there are not markers on the ground because you're just kind of in a general area there's not like markers for you to stand on and whenever there weren't markers on the ground people were not staying six feet apart mm. that's just kind of human nature it's hard to tell what six feet is people like move up a little bit because they want to get into the park um I really did try my best and I'm not to toot my own horn or anything but I think I did a great job of, <laughs> especially when I'm standing because standing is it's super easy to stay apart from somebody when you're standing still and not moving I think that that was something that people overlooked or forgot about I did hear a couple one of my favorite anecdotes from the day is there's this mom and son that was not directly behind me but they were behind the person who was behind me and the mom was standing like maybe two feet behind the person who she was behind and then her kid like got closer and she was like no honey we have to stay six feet away from them and I was like but you're not six feet away from them (laughs) but anyways while you're in line there is a person a team member that over microphones and um, speakers kind of give you a heads up on what to expect they show you what the markings on the ground are going to be looking like Um, they encourage you to use hand sanitizer they tell you that there's going to be some around the park and that team members will have it and they also encourage you to wash your hands, which I think was really important because you yeah. still have to wash your hands. It's better than hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer is super convenient, but you still need to wash your hands. So I really appreciated them kind of reminding people to wash their hands. Whether they did so or not was another story. So like I mentioned before, everyone was required to wear masks, and I did see a large variety. I saw like a bunch of homemade ones. I saw ones that were definitely like more Etsy. The one that I wore, I got from Etsy. Um, I saw some medical masks, like the blue ones, as well as the mm-hmm. more like, I don't know, the, like more fitted ones. Yeah. yeah. And like the ones that are just kind of round, um, that don't like go over your whole face, but I right. know, the ones that you wear, like when people are painting, I think it's like an N95 is maybe what some of them are called. It probably isn't an actual N95 because yeah. those need to be like professionally fit, but yeah. 
Yeah, those type of masks. And then I saw a lot of, like, bandanas as well or just kind of, like, buffs, kind of like they wear on Survivor Mm -hmm. um, that kind of just cover the whole neck. And I don't really know what the pros and cons of each of them are. I can talk about the mask that I wore and the pros and cons. Um, I also saw a guy wearing, like, a fleece kind of thing like that. And I was like, bro, Mm -hmm. it's, like, 85 degrees. How are you wearing – like, it was definitely something that you're supposed to wear around your neck to keep it warm when it's really cold. Yeah. You do you, bro. Um, The team members were all so excited. They, like, kind of made this tunnel when you walk in. They were, like, clapping, and they were saying, like, welcome back. Thank you so much for coming. Welcome home. Like, we appreciate you guys coming. Um, Or at least they put off the vibe that they were very excited to be there. I don't know (laughs) if they were or not, actually. Um, But that was really special. It made me feel special. It made me feel welcome. Um, I enjoyed that. Then, as I mentioned before, everybody was doing, like, for the most part, I don't want to, like, call out these situations where people weren't following the rules to make, and make you guys think that that was most people. For the most part, people were doing a great job at staying six feet or more apart in line when there were markers on the ground because that's just super easy. There's, like, a blue line and you stand on it. Are there, mar- are there markers in every, like, ride line and stuff? Mm-hmm. Every, okay. like... Wh- at the point where the entrance, the line starts. The problem okay. becomes that the line is going outside of where the queue actually starts just because, because there's so much you can't fit as many people. Yeah. When there's not markers on the ground, as I mentioned before, it's harder and the team members, I do think, need to do a little bit of a better job at reminding people. But when you're already in line, it's really hard because if I back up, the person behind me has to back up and then the person behind it's mm-hmm. it is difficult and I understand. And I know that they can't put markers like, everywhere on the park because that's a lot and then that the walkways and just aren't big enough then um I understand and I really do think like I said for the most part just because of these negative situations or negative experiences that I might have witnessed doesn't mean that like I still think that overall like people did a really great job um I did take a couple of videos to show you guys kind of what it looks like and I'll either post this on like Facebook or maybe Instagram stories. A lot of the times the markers were way more than six feet apart in line because lines snake. So they really tried to make sure that like just because I was six feet away from the person in front of me, I also had to be six feet away from the person beside Mm -hmm. me in line. Yeah, that's difficult. So there were some places where like you would be walking over 10 feet basically to get to the next point in line. And I have a video to show you guys an example of how far I had to walk one time in line to get to the next point, which is fine. I mean, I think I like the spaced out lines and it makes you feel like you're moving a lot faster just because you move so much more. Whereas like in a normal line for like one round of people getting on the ride, I'd take like maybe two steps. This time I'm taking like, like I'm going 20 feet. Like I really make, I, I don't mind it. It's also better for them to have more space than more than six feet. As yeah. opposed, you know, like I better will, be on the side of caution. Yeah. So I got, I rode the same ride twice, um, like the first day and the first day of the annual pass preview. And then the first day was open to the public. There were more lines on the ground the second time oh, that were, cool. that broke up, um, like some of the more distant places. I think they maybe closed oh. off some of the snakes, oh, okay. um, and they just added more people in line. I also think they did that to try and minimize the amount of people outside the line where there weren't markers on the ground. Uh, Um, So there were definitely, they added a lot more places in line. Um, The one I'm specifically talking about is Hagrid's Motorbike Adventure. I went through that line both days, and there were a lot more lines on the ground the second day, a lot more places to stand. 
I do think a flaw of the markers on the ground is that if your party is bigger than two people, you take up so much space. So for Mm. instance, there was this Mm. one time I was behind a group of four to five people, I think, and they were taking up from blue line to blue line. So I obviously wasn't going to stand on that back blue line. I was staying on the blue line behind that, but then I was like super self-conscious about people like, why isn't she moving up? Um, So I think I mentioned this to my sister and she maybe said that like maybe they should have like no more than three people standing in a line because yeah yeah. um but like obviously that was a decision that I made to not move up to that line some people would move up no matter how big the group ahead of them was um Mm -hmm. so that's like just kind of something that you maybe don't think about when you're like studying the lines on the ground but it's definitely something that they probably should and then in um speaking of people wearing masks I saw a lot of people not wearing masks and I I do want to reiterate just one more time that for the most part people were doing the best that they could and trust me wearing the mask is not fun down here in the Florida heat the first day the annual pass preview it was like pretty cool it rained on and off all day but even then like my face was drenched in sweat whenever you'd walk upstairs or maybe I'd walk uphill or walk a little bit faster like it became really hard for me to catch my breath and breathe um yeah it's just not a whole lot of fun so I did see a lot of people kind of cheating a lot of people not covering their nose to help them breathe a little bit better a lot of people just blatantly carrying their mask in their hands for no reason um my favorite was people who so they tell you that you don't have to wear a mask when you're eating and drinking obviously but a lot there was this one time I was in line and the guy behind me the entire line probably like 40 minutes or whatever he was holding a cup of coffee in his hand so he wasn't wearing his mask but never did I once see him actually take a sip of that coffee <laughs> it was probably empty yeah so a lot of people were kind of like doing that or like they were carrying a water bottle in their hand and not wearing their mask where like I chose to make the decision that if I was carrying a drink or if I ever took my water bottle out I would like pull down my mask take a sip put my mask back on my face I wouldn't continuously not wear it but like obviously that's a decision that I made um just because I wanted to do everything I could to make other people feel comfortable that was kind of why that's my motivation to like try and stay super far away not so much for my own safety but I just want to make sure that other people feel comfortable yeah um a lot of people would like wear them down around their neck and then when they saw a team member they'd like pull it back up and it's like so not only are you not following the rules but like you know you're not following the rules because you're like it's almost worse yeah that like made me really angry um I also noticed that kids who weren't wearing their masks their parents also weren't wearing their masks Mm. so if you're a parent and you want your kid to wear your mask you have to wear your mask that was like yeah. yeah that was definitely a big trend that I noticed also with the spacing the kids really took the parents lead um so I think it's important for parents to set an example for their children um and overall I just don't understand why it's so hard for people not to follow the rules like like I said wearing the mask was like literally atrocious the second day I went it was like 90 degrees and humid as all heck and my it was so disgusting like I had to like I put napkins in my purse to like wipe my face off periodically because you're just drenched in sweat and it sucks and it's terrible and some tips I have about that 
is really space out in your day when you're going to eat. And when you do eat, I recommend sitting at like a sit-down restaurant, not getting something to grab and go, because then you can actually sit, take your mask off, take the time that you need Mm -hmm. with it off, because you will need time with your mask off. That's just a fact. So like plan your lunches, plan on kind of sitting down. Like I would get a Starbucks coffee every morning, both mornings that I went and I'd sit at the table outside with my mask on and drink my coffee at the table. So I didn't have to keep on putting it on when I was walking around. So take more time than I, I I spend a lot more time sitting and eating. Normally when I go to parks, I snack all day and I'm always on the go. I recommend taking time to sit down where you can take your mask off because you will need it. Mm -hmm. That's my biggest tip. Other things I noticed around the park, Universal is really encouraging the use of their mobile app. That's where you have to use virtual lines, and some rides are only doing virtual lines, so you need to do that. It's where you have to order your food. Um, When I ate at the Three Broomsticks, they do not, you cannot order in the restaurant. You have to mobile order. The problem with this is that none of the team members are very educated on the app. So I asked two different team members two different questions about it, and both of them were like, sorry, I don't know. The app is really new. So I think it's important. Universal really needed to train their team members a little bit better if they were going to be encouraging using the app because when you walk in, people are literally handing you flyers to download the app. Like They are really pushing it on you, and they need to educate their team members better. That was a complaint that I had. Mm-hmm. In terms of hand sanitizer, they are doing something that I did not know that they were going to be doing. They are um, having a team member stand. um, So in a queue for a ride, like you're in line and then you get to a point where they're like, they put you in rows. So you wait and they'll be like, okay, how many are in your party? At that point in the line, a team member will squirt hand sanitizer into your hand. You have to put it on before you get on the ride. That is the only place I ever saw hand sanitizer. I never saw them just kind of like around the park, which Mm -hmm. I assumed they would be. I don't know if I just wasn't noticing them or there weren't a bunch in the Harry Potter world because that was the only place I spent time in Universal. Maybe there were some other places that it was. Um, But I only saw hand sanitizer in the team members' hands when they put it on your hand. Um, they were sanitizing the railings a couple times. As I would go through lines, like somebody would just go down, like squirt, 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 wipe down the handrails throughout the line. I really think that they did their best. They would stagger the cars that they were using on rides. So like the first one, the first time they'd use one, three, five, and they'd wa- wipe down two and four, and then the next time they'd use two and four and wipe down one, three, five. Mm. Um, so I think that they really did a lot to try their best to do it. Um, And they also, like I mentioned before, they encourage hand washing. Um, I want to say that I saw a lot of people, I don't think the team members really did the best at keeping distance. Whenever they would speak to me, they would definitely not be six feet apart. And I understand that's really hard to hear. Yeah, were they all wearing masks? Yes, so they were all wearing masks, and I did, there was a person in front of me who asked them um, kind of where they got the masks, so they are a part of the uniform, and Universal, like, owns those masks, so um, they were saying that they want, like, they, employees share masks, I think, but they wash them between everyone. Mm. I, I, obviously, I was six feet apart from this woman who was asking me a team member, so I couldn't hear super well, but they are provided by Universal. I did see a couple wearing their own masks. I think that was more like team leaders and maybe like not like people who are out and about as much. There were team leaders everywhere. Uh, um, 
so like more managers is what mm-hmm. those are like at Universal and I think they're really trying their best to listen to people and um, support the employees but they were wearing their own masks not the Universal mask but everybody else who's like just I know this is a Disney word but like on stage mm-hmm. um, they were wearing the mask that went with their like uniform um, what was I saying oh I saw a lot of team members, like, pull down their mask to talk to people because it, like I mentioned before, it is really hard to understand people when you're wearing your mask, but, like, that's not okay. (laughs) I saw a lot of people go up to team members and pull down their mask so they could understand them. I'm like, no, let's not do that. Um, But whenever I did talk to a team member, like I said before, it's hard to understand. I asked every single one at least one time to repeat themselves because you can't understand them super well and so I get like you can't really be six feet apart if somebody's trying to talk to you and wearing a mask but I will say that team members do need to be a little bit more conscious like there were a couple times that they would walk through lines to try and get ahead to be somewhere and obviously if they're in the same line as me there's no way that they can be six feet apart from me because there's railings on either side so there I'm literally shoulder to shoulder with them Mm -hmm. one woman one team member did like stand right in front of me at that point where like you split up they use their body as like a block a lot of times and like that's what they're taught to do so people don't slip past but she was like standing like right in front of me and I was like oh maybe don't do that and I understand that it takes a lot it's a big difference and I do think that they're trying their best but team members do need to be a little bit more cautious about staying six feet apart from people Mm -hmm. and then while walking around there was no social distancing going on at all. Um, I really didn't get bumped into. I got bumped into like maybe once or twice, which would happen a lot more often if the uh, there's a lot more people in the park and maybe people weren't being as cautious. But walking around, social distancing was not a thing at all. Mm. And I understand why. Like you really can't be six feet apart from people when you're walking around. The walkways just aren't big enough, simply aren't big enough for that. If I was ever behind a really slow person or slow group, I tend to be a fast walker, especially at parks. Um, You can't just kind of like sneak past them. I was always very cautious of like, I guess I just have to walk slower behind them because I can't get around them and stay six feet away. Um, It's just really hard when you're walking around and in stores, there's really no way to as well. Just because of the displays that are around the store, you can't stay six feet apart from people if you want to walk around. Um, which is why you need to be wearing your mask at all times. I know that in conjunction it's better, but if you have to sacrifice one, make sure you're doing the other. Um, Okay, that was kind of all I had to say about the actual social distancing measures. Um, Getting on to just some like quick uh, universal things. I rode Hagrid and Gringotts for the first time. Hagrid's Motorbike Adventure and the Escape from Gringotts, I think is what it's called. I had never ridden those rides before. I rode them for the first time. Gringotts disappointed me, and mm. Hagrid's was great. Okay. I think did that you do, every... Did you do both carts on Hagrid's? No. So I did the motorcycle every single time because I was oh. by myself, so you have to go all the way over. Oh, okay. um, the motorcycle is better than the sidecar, I think, anyways. Like, you get to press a button. Um, I don't know. I also got to be in the front of two rides, Ooh. which was really fun. Like, the first time I rode it, I was in the very front row, which I think was an awesome experience. Um, I won't spoil anything. It was great, and I think that everything I disliked about Gringotts, they got right in Hagrid's because I'm much more of a ride person than, like, kind of Universal's classic, like, 3D, and yeah. Gringotts is a 3D one. I expected more of, like, a roller coaster type ride, and I was not. And that's not what I got, and I was a little bit disappointed. Speaking of 3D, 
your 3D glasses will fog up immediately when you put them on your face. So, so I kept on having to, like, use my fingers as, like, windshield wipers on mm. the inside just so I could see things because you can't see anything when the 3D glasses are fogged up. So that's something to be aware of. Um, quickly, also, I did choose to buy an interactive wand this past time. I'd never thought about buying one before, but with the annual pass and me going more often, I thought it would be worth it. So how I did this was I have always been desperate to be picked in Ollivanders to get my wand to pick me. So I, I asked a team member, I was like, hey, are you guys doing the Ollivander show? And she was like, yeah, we're doing a show for one party at a time. Well, I was a party <laughs> of one. So you have to, at least when I went, I know that there was a line the next day. So when I went... For the annual pass preview, I had to go find a team member, a specific team member, say, hey, I request to do the Ollivander show. He was like, okay, great. He walked me over there. He made sure that Ollivander was ready. And I went in and a wand picked me and a wand that I liked too picked me. And I've always Uh. said that if I get picked, I have to buy the wand that picked me. So I had to buy it because I got picked because I was the only option. What, What was the wand? Oh, I don't. (laughs) No, he explained the wood and he was like, this wood is for somebody who's very kind and very empathetic. I was like, that's me, bro. Um, I will say the core is Phoenix Feather, which is what my actual core was. So I was like, oh, lit. Um, And like I said, it's not a Death Eater wand. The first wand I picked up and tried was a Death Eater wand. And I'm like, if this man gives me a Death Eater wand, I will riot. Wait, how could you tell that it was a Death Eater? Because it had like a skull on the bottom. Oh, Wait, um, okay. they're all very obvious, the Death Eater wands. But the one I got, I actually really like. Um, I'm actually going to grab it and show you on. Yeah, I want to see it. Just Ooh, very simple. It's pretty, though. But it's got, like, gold bands right yeah. there, which I love. It's got a very, like, uh, big hilt, which at first yeah. I was like, yikes, I don't know if I like that. But it holds very nice because of the big ball on the end. Was that the second one you did? The third one. So you do two. And then the last one, it, like... Oh, okay the smoke starts and like a gold light comes on you and the voices like sing like it does in the movie um so yeah I got an interactive wand I tried some magic I failed both times I tried somebody had to come and help me magic is really hard (laughs) you just like and if nobody knows what I'm talking about there are certain locations that have like a thing on the ground and you have a spell that a specific like wand motion you have to do and something will happen. And, like, they're mainly in, like, shop windows. You go up and do it. And you have to be very precise with where you point your wand. And if you don't know, like, you don't know where to point yeah. your wand. Because it's a big window. So, I both times somebody had to be like, no, you have to point it, like, right here. So, hopefully I'll get better at it. Um, but, yeah. So, the one I got was interactive. The interactive wands are $55. With my annual pass discount, it ended up being like fifty three because like I didn't have oh. tax would have been added to the fifty five. Yeah, and I do think that normal non interactive ones are like around forty five dollars. So there's not a huge price difference between the interactive yeah. and non interactive. So. I say why not buy at least one if you're gonna buy wands anyways, which yeah. I do. So. There's that. I do have a couple fun anecdotes. Speaking of magic, the second day I was there, there was this old man. He, like, must have been in his 80s. Like, 
when I say old, like, I don't mean, like, 60. Like, I mean, he was, he was an old man. And he was walking around with his little map that shows you where you can do magic in an interactive wand. and was, like, going around and doing magic. And I literally almost started crying. It was That's the so cutest thing. And he was by himself, too. So, it was Aww. just, like, it was the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. That's adorable. Um, also, I got really lucky. I got to ride Hagrid's twice the second day that I went because I was just like, I don't know, people who've been to Universal, I was sitting in the place like the Owlry um, in Hogsmeade. It's just like this big covered area with benches. Um, I was just like chilling. It was hot. I, I was still wearing my mask, but it's a lot easier to breathe when you're sitting down because you're not breathing as much. And this girl came up to me and was like, hi, are you a single rider? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, well, so we actually, we have another virtual line for Hagrid's and my mom doesn't want to ride. So like we have an extra person like to take on the, take on the ride. She was like, do you want to do it? I was like, hell yeah. So (laughs) I went through the line with this group. It was like four other um, college age kids. So that was really fun. I felt really guilty because I wasn't distancing from them. I was with them in line, but we were wearing our masks the entire time. Um, and that was super nice. So I got really lucky. I got to ride it two times that day. And then my third and last anecdote I have about the parks is that I ran into multiple times a woman who you might know might not know I mean she has 32,000 followers on Instagram so who knows if you know her but her Instagram name is Miss Wizarding World she runs like a really popular like I said 32,000 followers Instagram a Harry Potter Instagram and so I ran into her a couple times but I didn't say anything I was like no you need to go and speak to her so I actually saw her she was behind me in line for Forbidden Journey and I was like okay I'm gonna hang out by the exit and like ambush her so I hung out by the exit of Forbidden Journey. I went up and I talked with her. She was super nice. Um, I learned that she's from North Carolina too, so that was really cool. Um, and she's going to be there. I'm going back on Monday, and she's going to be there. And she was like, be on the lookout for me. We can, like, do stuff. I was like, okay. Because I, really I was getting ready to leave when I ran into her. Um, but, yeah. Correction, she has 34.9. So she has, like, 35,000 followers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I talked with her. She was super nice. I complimented her on her outfit because she's wearing like a Harry Potter outfit. I was not. I was just wearing like the lightest clothes I had possible because it was really freaking hot. And she complimented me on my outfit. I was like, girl, thanks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, like I mentioned before, sorry, that was like really long. And if you don't care about Universal, I support you skipping over that part. But I just thought it would be um, really interesting to kind of share with you guys what it looks like at Universal this moment in time mm-hmm. um lastly I'll say I like I said I took a bunch of videos I took some of the lines I took some of like kind of the crowd level that's going on um the wizarding world in my experience was a lot more crowded than everywhere else in the parks mm. um but they are like counting the people going into the wizarding world so at least they if it does get over capacity or over the capacity that they're trying to stick to they will stop letting people into the wizarding world so I think that's good um but yeah I took a lots of pictures lots of videos to just kind of show you what the park looks like and like I said we'll be posting those somewhere probably when this episode comes out for you guys to view but I believe that's all I have um, overall, I think they were doing the best job that they could. Yeah. So, yeah. So, sorry that was, like, super long, but 
I had a lot to say about it. And I warned Audrey. I said that I had a lot to say about it. So, All right. So finally, after all of that, <laughs> thank you, Katie, for your input on Universal. I'm sure people will appreciate it. But we are finally moving on to talking about Dudley. <laughs> so his full name is Dudley Dursley. I don't think we know his middle name. Um, so kind of the etymology of that. Dudley means from the meadow. Um, but it's also a large town in West Midlands, Midlands County of England. And there's also a town named Dursley. Um, and they're both towns that are known for their coal mining in the Victoria Victorian era. And so JK has like heavily implied that she took the names from this, these towns, um, saying like maps are a great source for names. And Snape is also a name that came from a town. She said there are places she can't visit anymore. Um... And Dursley specifically, she said that when she visited as a child, she, like, hated the town. So (laughs) that's probably why (laughs) she chose it for their name. Um, She said the name, she liked the name for the Dursley family because it sounded dull and forbidding. Yikes. So sorry, people from Dudley and Dursley. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So we know that Dudley is five weeks older than Harry. So if we work backwards, his birthday is around June 23rd, 1980. And this this episode is being released on June 23rd. Did we do that on purpose? I don't did. I don't think we did. I I don't know if we did. (laughs) That's kind of wild. That's wild. (laughs) And his blood status is Muggle. Um, he does not, he's not, doesn't have magical powers. Based on what we know about Muggleborns, though, like with Lily having been a Muggleborn, it's reasonable to assume that, like, somewhere he has an ancestor with magical blood, and that would be, like, the shared ancestor with Lily. So maybe, like, Lily's great great grandparent or something like that, which would be Dudley's, like, great 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 grandparent, whatever. <laughs> um, so he's a Muggle, but, like, there's probably some amount of magic in him, like, magical blood in him it just doesn't come through yes um i have a little bit to say about that a little bit later um but at the moment his parents are petunia dursley and vernon dursley of course we know that petunia's maiden name i couldn't think of that word for a second (laughs) petunia's maiden name is evans um because we know that she's lily evans's sister and I talk a little bit about that later, too. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to say on that. Well, I'm going to talk about Evans. There's just, like, a fun little thing. Okay. Um, and then the nicknames or aliases that we know Dudley by <laughs> are... By Petunia, he gets called Dudders. Vernon also calls him that. But then Petunia also calls him Ickle Dud- Dudleykins. Popkin, Diddy, Diddykins, Dinky, Diddy Dumbs. <laughs> and then Marge calls him my nephew Pooh. And Harry, and also like Harry sarcastically and his friends legitimately call him Big D. And then Harry also calls him Dud. Remember those for later. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the schools that we know he attended were St. Gregory's Prep. So this is where he attended pre going to smeltings um this is where he went to school with harry like they talk about how dudley was going to smeltings and harry was supposed to go to stonewall high but he went to hogwarts so this two schools that we know he went to were saint gregory's prep and then smeltings academy 
Um, so his first mention is not as great as I thought it was going to be just because he's mentioned like super quickly like a couple times in the first chapter so I was like I I saw this first mention like the actual first mention I was like oh let me find the second mention but then it's just his name um so I was like oh whatever it's fine so super quick in the first chapter of the first book his mention is the Dursleys had a small son called Dudley and in their opinion there was no finer boy anywhere nice that's it i will say we yeah we didn't talk about his physical appearance um in his character profile but speaking of the mention like a lot of times it's description of their physical appearance um in the books the dudley the dudleys the dursleys have blonde hair which Mm -hmm. always like really throws me off whenever i hear that because that just seems so odd i don't i I don't know um but obviously in the movies they all have brown hair and they're just the descriptions of uncle vernon and petunia are like chef's kiss i really like them yeah okay so then moving on to personality type i'm gonna so i a lot of people on the internet and have assigned him ESTP, which is entrepreneur, which is actually the same personality type as Ginny and Seamus, based on my records. I'm going to preface this with saying, which I feel like I always do when we kind of talk about like a not great character, um, is that like on the descriptions, it's really difficult for like villains or just like kind of shitty characters to type them because the descriptions are like for real people to find their personality types and they always try to make the personalities sound good and like there's a good and bad side to every personality um so it was really hard to type him because he i think he's like kind of just a shitty person and doesn't really have like redeeming like good qualities that he uses in a bad way like a lot of the villains do like you can talk about tom riddle like he's charming and ambitious and like he uses those in a bad way but those are like could be like good qualities um so i think in like being like a good leader or something like Dudley I feel like he's just kind of like he's a bully like his personality is him being a bully (laughs) right so I found it like difficult (laughs) to type him and I don't want people to like interpret this personality type as being like oh it's Dudley's and it's also Ginny's like that's the worst you know like Ginny sucks but because Ginny does not suck um it is interesting that they are the same though because like harry spent his childhood with dudley and then he's gonna spend like the rest of his life with jenny it's very interesting i did find that interesting um so yeah estp is the entrepreneur so i'll just talk a bit about that um entrepreneurs always have an impact on their immediate surroundings the best way to spot them at a party is to look for the whirling eddy of people flitting about them as they move from group to group laughing and entertaining with a blunt and earthy humor entrepreneur personalities love to be the center of attention so like what really stood out from this like away from like the laughing and entertaining and like good parts um for dudley would be like having an immediate impact on their surroundings like when you think about all of the scenes in like fort privet drive um Dudley is always like he's always impacting what's going on right like and if there's a conversation happening that's like not about him or it's about Harry or it's between Petunia and um Vernon it like he inserts himself and so I think he definitely like has this center of attention only child complex where like he needs to be known that it needs to be known that he's in the room and like he needs all the attention um and then I was thinking about, like, instances where this is kind of the case. And, like, you think about Hagrid in the Hut on the Rock. You would think that we would be, like, paying attention 
to Hagrid and stuff, but, like, when the attention is off Dudley, he goes and starts eating Harry's birthday cake, so it's, like, now he's, like, bringing the attention back to him. Um, and then when, like, the attention's not on him when the Weasleys show up at Four Perfect Drive, or Mr. Weasley and then the twins, um, Dudley eats the ton-tongue toffee, which I'll talk about later, and, like, becomes the center of tension. Like, he finds ways to, like, bring the attention back on him, even if it's not in a good way. Um, I will quickly say that the birthday cake that he ate had happy birthday spelled correctly. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, Okay, and then... So, quote, theory, abstract concepts, and plotting discussions about global interests, global issues, and their implications don't keep entrepreneurs interested for long. Sounds on point. Entrepreneurs keep their conversation energetic with a good dose of intelligence. Mm. But they like to talk about what is or better yet to just go out and do it. They leap before they look, fixing their mistakes as they go rather than sitting idly or sitting idle, um, preparing contingencies and escape clauses. So, like, I definitely thought the, like, act before you think is fits Dudley. Um, not because he's, like, going out to change the world and just, like, going for it, but because he doesn't think about consequences, I think, because he's never really had to face consequences in the way that he was raised. So I think that I like that um, interpretation of, like, just kind of going into it and then, like, oh, I'll fix my mistakes later, even though he doesn't actually do that. Um, entrepreneurs are the likeliest personality type to make a lifestyle of risky behavior. They live in the moment and dive into the action. They are the eye of the storm. And I think we often see Dudley kind of like definitely in the earlier books, he's like hiding and he's afraid he's, you would think it's not really risky, but like, I think the eye of the storm, like the center of everything just dives in and like bullying people and stuff and like causing trouble, I think is like how I interpreted risky behavior in this sense. Whereas with Ginny, we kind of interpret it differently where she's like badass and going and like doing things and playing Quidditch and all that. Um, This makes school and other highly organized environments a challenge for entrepreneurs. It certainly isn't because they aren't smart and they can do well, but the regimented lecturing approach of formal education is just so far from the hands-on learning that entrepreneurs enjoy. It takes a great deal of maturity to see this process as a a necessary means to an end something that creates more exciting opportunities. So this is definitely a positive way to put it. I think we can probably assume that Dudley was not very good at school. Um, (laughs) We know that he got kind of in trouble for bullying people and stuff. So he was definitely like taking out issues in other areas um, and definitely was not mature enough to see like the value of school. He was very immature, I think. Also challenging is that to entrepreneurs, it takes more sense. It makes more sense to use their own moral compass than someone else's. Rules were made to be broken. This is a sentiment few high school instructors or corporate supervisors are likely to share and can earn entrepreneur personalities a certain reputation. But if they minimize the troublemaking, harness their energy, and focus through the boring stuff, entrepreneurs are forced to be reckoned with. I think the like attitude of rules were made to be broken for Dudley is kind of like there weren't really rules for him or if there were growing up like he could easily break them because there were no consequences so yes he's a rule breaker but not like because he disagrees with them morally it's because he never like was taught to follow rules um 
If entrepreneurs aren't careful though, they may get too caught in the moment, take things too far and run over more sensitive people or forget to take care of their own health and safety. Making up only 4% of the population, they're just enough there are just enough entrepreneurs out there to keep things spicy and competitive <laughs> and not as many not so many as to cause a systemic risk. I think that like getting caught in the moment, taking things too far, like I definitely see Dudley as someone who has trouble like controlling his anger, controlling his emotions, um, and running over sensitive people, obviously all the bullying. I think this idea of like him not really having control over himself, I think goes very well with like the immaturity that we see um, and also the way he was raised. <laughs> um, so for strengths, bold, rational, and practical, original, perceptive, direct, and sociable. Don't really see any of those. <laughs> Weaknesses, some of these hit a little bit more to home. Um, <laughs> insensitive, impatient, risk prone, unstructured, may miss the bigger picture, and defiant. I feel like he's defiant just to like for the sake of being defiant, you know, like not for a greater cause, but just like to assert his authority or like, yeah, because he's spoiled and he thinks he has the right to be defiant. <laughs> So, I don't know. It, like, kind of fits. I feel like I had a lot of trouble with this one. Um, but if you interpret it in the bad way, maybe it fits in more. Okay, so this next section, I'm going to talk a little bit about his um, him being a bully. I will say that the next section that I talk about is his relationship with Harry. So, for this one, I'm kind of just going to keep it to instances of bullying I'm not going to talk about maybe why he bullies I'm going to talk about that in a later section so like I said for this one is just going to gun well this section is just going to be a little bit about him being a bully and what he does so Harry was Dudley's favorite punching bag Um, he was always much bigger than Harry was but Harry was always much faster so he liked to play this game called Harry hunting which is like really really bad I just all I can think of when I hear that is like the most dangerous game which is like that short story about how that crazy man like hunts people because he got bored hunting animals and he hunts people instead yeah um that's like all I can think of when I hear Harry hunting and it's like really kind of icky um Dudley and his gang would beat up Harry a lot so that's just real fun um when it was Dudley's 11th birthday and time for his outing, Mrs. Fig had to back out of keeping Harry, so Harry had nowhere to go, and this kind of just reminded me, they kind of treat Harry like he's a dog. Like, they're like, well, we can't bring him with us. We need somebody to take care of him. Um, I don't know. That just sounds like you need somebody to, like, dog sit instead of actually considering, like, bringing him with you guys to the zoo. But, of course, that's what they end up doing anyways. So, while at the zoo, Dudley pushed Harry over onto the ground, and in retaliation, um, Harry accidentally, purposely, shut Dudley in the snake exhibit. Which is real fun. (laughs) Real great scene in the movie and in the books. So, after Dudley got accepted into smeltings, and he started wearing his smeltings outfit, it came with a stick. And um, he hit Harry every time that he saw him with this stick. He also used it to hit other people in the house. 
uh, Nanny's yeah. parents. So in response to Harry getting the second bedroom, instead of living in the cupboard um, under the stairs, Dudley like threw a tantrum. So this is a quote from the book. Uh, Dudley screamed, hit his father with his smelting stick, threw up on purpose, kicked his mother, and threw his pet tortoise through the greenhouse roof. Um, which I like. I think is supposed to be comical. Like, oh my gosh, look at all these things Dudley is doing. But that is wild. Yeah. He threw up on purpose, kicked his mother, his father with a stick, and threw a living thing through a roof. Also, like... like- Let's remember, like, yes, he's, like, 11 years old, which is young, but he's not, like, four. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And let's also be clear that Dudley was not, he did not need this second bedroom. This is where he kept all of his toys. (laughs) Yeah. It's not even like he had to share a room with her. Yeah. Um, So... Yeah. In Chamber of Secrets, Dudley tried to bully Harry, but every time it happened, Harry would, like, spout nonsense (laughs) words and pretend to do magic, and Dudley would run away. But he did make fun of Harry for not receiving anything from his friends for his birthday. So this is when Dobby was stealing Harry's mail, and so it looked like he wasn't getting anything. In Goblet of Fire, so I really didn't talk about Prisoner of Azkaban because a lot of the instances of Harry being bullied in Prisoner of Azkaban is actually by Marge, kind of like maybe Mm -hmm. in conjunction with Dudley. So I decided to just kind of like not talk about that because Marge is a whole different topic. (laughs) I don't know if like really ever do an episode specifically on her but the way that she treats Harry is just like it's really the worst um so in Goblet of Fire Dudley was tasked with losing weight because smeltings didn't make uniforms that were large enough for him anymore so Petunia decided to put him on a diet and if Dudley was on a diet that meant the whole house was on a diet So Harry kind of got around this by asking his friends to send him food. Um, This isn't something that I don't think we have a specific section on, but I do know that JK has been called out a lot by her characterization and description of the Dursleys and just kind of specifically Vernon and Dudley in particular and um, kind of like making their weight be a, like a point of making fun of them. Um, So yeah, I mean, I don't, I didn't really write down any thoughts on this, but I know that that's just a discussion that is had within the Potter community about kind of making their weight a point of making fun of them and like making them seem evil. Um, And just like the way that they're described is sometimes not the best, um, Mm -hmm. specifically in terms of their weight. Um, Like I said, I don't have a whole lot of like put together thoughts because I didn't take any notes or like look into it more, but I just know that that is a conversation that... Um, the Potter community has had and has called out J.K. Rowling for using some of those words and terms. Yeah, I think we can talk about that with um, Vernon, too. Yeah, for sure. Maybe we'll kind of make that a bigger section. when we. T- I assume we'll probably do like a Vernon and Petunia episode together. Yeah. Um, we'll probably maybe talk about that a little bit more in depth, but just... If you are interested, there's a lot of stuff online about it, or you could just wait till our Vernon and Petunia episode. But just that is a thing that is talked about in the Potter community. So in Order of the Phoenix, Dudley has started to bulk up and lose kind of some of that weight, but turn it into muscle instead. Um, He's been boxing. He's like the mid-region heavyweight champion or (laughs) something like that. I didn't write it down. And he spent his days over the summer hanging out with his gang. Oh, 
I had a note earlier. So we do, speaking of his gang, the members of his gang are Piers Polkis, Dennis, Malcolm, and Gordon. So that can be Katie's trivia corner for the episode. Those are his um, gang members. So Dudley spends his summer with his gang beating up kids, smoking, throwing rocks at cars and children, and vandalizing things. Um, He did tell his mother that he just goes to tea at a different friend's (laughs) house every day, and Harry's like, what a bunch of bullshit that is. And then during that summer, he beat up a kid named Mark Evans, which is what I was alluding to earlier about the name Evans. So a lot of, like, people have kind of theorized that maybe it's a hint towards the Evans family that the Dursleys hated so much. Um, I don't know if that's really what it is. I assume it's just kind of a common last name that you use twice, but it's interesting to maybe, like, ponder about. And he beat him up because he was, like, smart with him, I think is what he says. Or he he was cheeked. That's right. He's like, says, he cheeked me or something. Like, okay, Dudley. And I also believe that it said that Mark Evans was, like, 12. Yeah. Like like a young kid. Like, Like young and Dudley is, like, 15. (laughs) Yeah. And a large 15-year-old at that who, like, boxes and is big and strong. So... That's great. <laughs> Lastly, I'm not going to talk about Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows because he doesn't really bully Harry that much. He just kind of pretends that he doesn't exist, I believe, during those books for the most part. Yeah. Um, but he taunted Harry for his dreams about Cedric, which is, like, really heartbreaking and really makes me sad whenever that scene. Your boyfriend. Your boyfriend. <laughs> um, that part in the movie when he brings it up and, like, even in the book – Harry starts kind of like panic like how do you know about Cedric and all these things and it's really like it seems like it was so long ago because it was a different book but it was probably like literally a month ago that said yeah. like Harry watched this kid die yeah um and like obviously maybe Dudley doesn't know that but it's just like really heartbreaking yeah that's uh, really messed up yeah, I will say, I meant to bring this up earlier, but in the first book, um, Dudley's like, you know what they do to kids who go to Stonewall on their first day? Like, they shove their head in a toilet. Do you want to go upstairs and practice? And Harry's like, I don't know about that, Dudley. The toilet hasn't had hasn't seen anything as ugly as your face or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, like, runs away because Dudley chases them. I think that's prime sassy Harry, which we didn't really get in the movies at all. Which is yeah. a reminder. <laughs> I love Sassy Harry. Yeah. Also, I took a lot of this information from, I, like, two articles on Pottermore. One is, like, why we love to hate Dudley Dursley. Mm, I saw that one. And then one is, like, um, in Redem- what's the what is the name of that series? Like, In Defense of Dudley mm, Dursley. I mm-hmm. looked at both of those things, articles on Pottermore slash Wizarding World. All right. So now I'm just going to talk a bit about like when he was a victim of magic and his fear of magic, because I think, I think we can, we often say like with Potter books, like, oh, he's a product of his environment. And like Dudley really is. But I think a lot of the things like that he did as a kid, we can blame, like he can take a lot of the blame for not just his parents. Um, Like, I think it's important to like blame him for his bullying and just like kind of being a brat I mean there's also his parents are at fault of that in a way but like one thing I think where almost all the blame falls on his parents and like I think he really is 
not to blame is like his fear of magic because his parents never said a good word about magic and he had a number of like run-ins with magic that really didn't he did not come out well on the other side of so like i think this is one thing that is really like obviously we like hate it because like oh you were a muggle who was like close to the magical community like why wouldn't you be like so into this but like it makes a lot of sense why he fears magic so much and i think like his interactions with magic and like hating it come from that fear so the first big instance is hagrid in the hut on the rock so when Hagrid showed up, Dudley screamed, asking where the cannon was, and then went to hide behind his mother. Um, I also was reading something, and it was like, I think it might have been for his personality, and it was like, Dudley screamed, asking where the cannon was, which shows that he's not very bright. <laughs> um, so then when Vernon insults Dumbledore, Hagrid gets mad, and he sees Dudley trying to eat Harry's birthday cake and he tries to turn Dudley into a pig. That's what he says later on, but Dudley only ends up with a pigtail. And I think it's really funny, like, it, Hagrid says maybe he was already too much like a pig. <laughs> um, this also might have something to do with Hagrid's wand being in pieces or that. But then he has this pigtail for a month. Because they don't go into London until the day, the, until September 1st, when they drop Harry off at King's Cross. And that's, yeah, that's when the they get it removed. Reason, yeah, that's the only reason they agree to take Harry to London. Because yeah. they're like, well, we're going anyway. We have to go to the hospital anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it's from July 1st to s- September 1st that he's just walking around with a pigtail. Um, I feel like this is something that you should have got taken care of earlier. Yeah. Also, I would just, like, love to read about that hospital visit. Because you can imagine, like, Vernon and Petunia are so scared of being, like, unusual and strange in any way. Yeah. And then, like, this, of course, is the strangest thing. (laughs) Do you think that muggle hospitals have, like, an undercover wizard or something, just in case anything like this, like, comes up? I love that headcanon. Yeah. Because do you think, because we don't really know how it was taken care of. I think that we assume it was, like, surgically cut off because he goes to like a muggle hospital yeah but i wonder if especially like in london which is kind of like a hub for yeah that's how you get to the ministry of magic that's how you get to the hogwarts express that's how you get to st mungo's they're all like downtown london so that's obviously like a hub of wizarding activity yeah i think that's it on alert a good headcanon like someone just like monitoring things yeah, because I wonder if it is even something that they could, like, surgically cut off. Because you talk about how, like, wizarding, like, magical wounds are different than normal wounds. So, yeah. Like, a ma- bite from a, like, Nagini is different than a bite from just, like, a normal snake. Yeah. So I, I And I can see them, like, the undercover wizard, like, being, like, a surgeon, quote-unquote. Yeah, and, like, because yeah. I don't like, think no, the Dursleys would ever let magic be used to take it off. But, like, yeah. they maybe didn't know. Like, they just put Deadly under and then... Wave their wand. Yeah. <laughs> um, so another run-in with magic that I didn't think about at first is, like, he sees his Aunt Marge get blown up. And, yeah, Aunt Marge kind of sucks. And we know that Dudley doesn't like her either because he gets, like, paid to hug her. Yeah. But, like, that has to be traumatic. <laughs> I never thought about it from that point of view. Like, that's definitely has to be traumatic. Yeah. And then the tongue, ton, tongue toffee. So the Weasleys come to get Harry and Fred, quote, accidentally dropped the Tun Tung toffees on the ground. 
and Dudley ate one, and then his tongue, like, really starts swelling, and it gets to be more than four feet long before they fix it. Um, Petunia tries to rip his tongue out and nearly strangles him. This, like, makes me so uncomfortable. It, like, makes me, like, ugh. And it bothers me so much thinking about that. And then they finally let Mr. Weasley fix it. Um, Which, like, good that they let Mr. Weasley fix it, because otherwise he, like, might have died. Yeah. But... Also, this scene... (laughs) is so good like not even just the dudley taking the ton tongue toffee but like them trying to use the flu network and like the chimney is blocked and it's just such a great scene and it's such a shame that i didn't make it into the movies because i feel like it's such a cinematic scene that would have like worked so well like there are some scenes that obviously like are shortened or don't work well in movies but i feel like that's one that would have been not only like comical but like action-packed and I just whenever the Weasleys interact with the Dursleys, it's just prime comedy yeah, right there. Definitely. Um, so yeah, I mean I think we talked about this on the Fred and George episode. Not great on Fred and George. Um, or Fred, I guess he's the one that does it. But like this again has to be very traumatic for Dudley. Like I I would hate that. Um I just can't even imagine. I don't even want to think about it. But Another thing that, obviously, like, he is getting, like, physically injured, right? Not, like, like, this is more of an injury than the pigtail, but, like, physically changed because of magic. Like, he's never had a good interaction with magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, probably the worst of all is the Dementors. So, the two Dementors attack Harry and Dudley. Um, and Dudley can't see them, and he was, like, taunting Harry before it happens, and so, like, Harry had pulled his wand, and so he thinks that Harry, like, did this, and he blames Harry for the attack, even though, in actuality, Harry's the one that saves him. Um, and then Dudley is, like, very shaken up by this. Obviously, Dementors are a really scary thing to encounter, and JK has said that he saw who he really was during his attack and saw himself for, like, a spoiled bully pretty terrible person and that is kind of what led to him changing his ways a bit and I think again obviously this is a huge fear of magic like he had no comprehension not only like does this terrible thing happen but he also like doesn't understand it at all um which I think is makes it even scarier um and then I think he see like he sees magic exposing him for who he really is so eventually that kind of leads to him maybe coming out better than we thought he would be but um i can see like a reaction against that of like an initial reaction of being like well magic's stupid like getting more upset at magic for like pointing that out to him yeah so i think just in general what i wanted to show with this section is like his fear of magic is justified i mean it makes a lot of sense and i think it's like one of the few things about dudley that we can't really blame him for um based on like the interactions we see him have it like and like what it on top of this all that he's like ever heard petunia and vernon say about magic and about harry and about hogwarts it all really adds up and makes sense yeah it's interesting to think of those because they all happen kind of like spread out throughout the books there are different Mm -hmm. instances but to think of them like all together is a lot yeah so this next section I'm going to talk about his relationship with Harry and I think that um Audrey did a great job pointing out that 
yes, he's a product of his environment, but we can't use that as an excuse for him being, like, a really great raging bully. But I do think that in specifically with Harry I think you can attribute that a lot to his parents maybe like him bullying other kids and other small kids it's more of like a him problem but I think his treatment of Harry has a lot to do with how his parents treat Harry so like we say with a lot of characters Dudley is a product of his environment and he grew up hearing and seeing that Harry was less than him Um, like the Dursleys always treated him like I mentioned earlier like basically kind of like a dog to just be shut away and not be seen and he always believed and was told and was shown that he was just inherently better than Harry and he deserved to be treated as such Mm. and he had to keep Harry in line kind of and just like be constantly reminding him that he's better than Harry and that Harry is worth less than him Um, So I think a lot of his treatment of Harry comes from kind of the fact that he not only believes that he's better than Harry, but he believes that Harry deserves to know that he's better than him, Mm -hmm. um, that kind of thing. So he was incredibly spoiled and basically, in my opinion, a little bit brainwashed in how how much he believes that he like the best person ever um I think that comes I think it's kind of would be similar to brainwashing because literally from the moment he was born like I said that mention the first mention is literally like the Dursleys thought there was nothing better anywhere than Dudley Mm -hmm. they he's the best thing in the world and being treated like you're the best thing in the world like starts to make you feel like you are and it starts to make you feel like you deserve better than other people and that people aren't as great as you and they deserve to know that you're better than them and that you're they're not as good as you so Mm -hmm. a lot of that comes from I think like basically brainwashing in the way that that his parents treated him and made him feel like he was the most important thing in the world not that like all parents don't think that their kids are the most important thing in the world but just like the extent that they made Dudley feel like like you kind of mentioned earlier he was never punished for anything he never Mm -hmm. faced any consequences he always got whatever he wanted and if he threw a fit he would get more so just kind of that feeling that he had that he was the best thing in the world so and also kind of like Audrey mentioned throughout the first five books he was taught that Harry and Magic were the enemy that they were wrong and that he was right and then um so I don't know I think that that's kind of all I have to say about his relationship with Harry it was ultimately I don't think completely his fault I think that his parents did a lot to, like, show him how to treat Harry. You obviously learn a lot from your parents, especially since it was from such a young age. Like, Dudley never remembers a time that Harry was not at his house and not treated, like, complete shit. So I think that that comes a lot from it, too, because if all of a sudden Harry was being treated poorly or if all of a sudden Harry came into the house I think that he could probably, like, learn that it was wrong a little bit better. But just since this was from like his entire life yeah it was harder for him to break away from yeah so I I don't know I think that a lot of his treatment specifically of Harry comes from his parents and brainwashing but like you mentioned earlier his bullying of other people is a lot more a him problem than his parents like it's also his parents fault but it's also more his fault than his treatment of Harry and in my opinion I Mm -hmm. think 
because he just took the lead from his parents. But as we see in Deathly Hallows, Half-Blood Prince, kind of as a consequence of that meeting of a Dementor in Order of the Phoenix, Dudley does seem to start to break away from how his parents feel about Harry and how his parents treat Harry. Like I mentioned earlier, I believe in Half-Blood Prince, he just kind of pretends that Harry isn't there um, instead of like actively torturing and tormenting him, which is somewhat of an improvement. Um, also, speaking of his surrounding with magic in Half-Blood Prince, that's when Dumbledore comes to the house. Mm-hmm. And not that Dumbledore is, like, cruel to them, but he does, like, liberally use magic to kind of, like, put them down. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, I think that you could maybe say that was another not-so-great run-in with magic. Yeah. I not that, that the Dursleys don't deserve it, because Dumbledore didn't do anything to hurt them. He just kind of, like continually like humiliated them and made them feel like they didn't have the power in the conversation and in the situation which is true Dumbledore Dumbledore's got the power in that situation (laughs) um but yeah but in Deathly Hallows specifically on Harry's final morning at Fort Privet Drive there is a teacup sitting on the floor outside of his door and Harry steps on it and he's like oh that was like an amusing booby trap no setting booby traps that's what I said booby traps um Rebecca will get that reference. I don't think anybody else will, but it's a Goonies Is that reference. like Goonies? Yeah. Um, Got it. Yeah, great movie. Highly recommend. Um, but Harry thinks that it's just like a fun booby trap that Dudley set for him. But after Dudley kind of quote-unquote apologizes to Harry and kind of like shows empathy towards him like when his parents are saying oh no Harry's not coming with us Dudley is like really confused he's like wait what do you mean he's not coming with us like where is he going why isn't he coming with us which is kind of the first instance ever we see of him showing concern about Harry and like where he's going and what he's doing um and after Dudley says the infamous words I don't think you're a waste of space Uh, Harry comes to believe that the teacup was there kind of as, like, Dudley just wanting to give him tea and not so much like a booby trap. Like an olive branch. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it's really amusing because Harry is, like, really kind of blown away by this quote of, I don't think you're a waste of space. And the other Order members that are there are like, that's terrible. Like, what do you mean? (laughs) Like, that's not an apology. And Harry is like, no, that's like the best apology I could hope to get from <laughs> Dudley. So I think that's not, I think Dudley has a little bit of like Draco syndrome going on, especially in the mm-hmm. fandom. Like he kind of becomes this redeemable character. And I think that it's worse with Dudley than with Draco for sure. And I don't think that this is a great apology. It deserves <laughs> to be seen as like a great apology because it's not. <laughs> No, not at all. When you you bringing that up, though, reminded me of something I read, and it was, like, comparing Dudley and Draco, mm-hmm. um, and how, like, they both have mothers with um, flower names, and, mm. like, they both have, like, the similarities of their names. They both have, like, names that begin with the D. They're both, like, very much products of their environment, and, like, were done in injustice by their parents, and they, they're both supposed to be blonde, and, like... They both kind of, they both bullied Harry and they both have this sort of starting to make a 180, maybe like a 90 degree turn, like they get like halfway there. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's interesting to kind of look at them as parallels on like, like Draco bullied Harry in the wizarding world and 
Dudley bullied him in the muggle world. Yeah, when I, I did see a bunch of stuff about that, and I think where my mind jumped to is the Wizard of Oz, which it might sound like a weird thing to jump to, but, like, in the Wizard of Oz, mm. Dorothy, like, encounters these characters yeah. that parallel characters in her real life, and I feel like Dudley and Draco kind of have that, like, thing going on where they're the same character, but just one is in the normal world and one is in the magical world. Yeah. So yeah. I think that was interesting to think about. And I'll talk... In the next section I is the where are they now section that I talk about. Um, and I'll talk about... Wow, I just said talk about like 50 times in that, in that span. But I will talk about their relationship continuing past Deathly Hallows. Because we do know a little bit about that from Cursed Child. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so... This section is just going to illustrate how spoiled Dudley is. So I'm going to list all of his presents that we know of because they're very sporadic. So like you can assume that there's hundreds of times this in the actual amount. Uh, But on his fifth birthday, it's implied that Aunt Aunt Marge gave him musical statues. um, Or someone did because like Aunt Marge hits Harry to keep him from like playing or something about, like, Harry was interfering with Dudley's musical statues. Yeah, it's, it's like, implied that Harry, like, wins or is better than Dudley yeah. at it. I don't know yeah. what musical statues are. Me either. I don't know if that's a British thing or just, like, a thing that I don't, I don't know. But, yeah, yeah, it's implied that, like, Harry was better at it or beating yeah. Dudley. And so Aunt March, like, hates him. Yeah. Um, and then at Christmas a few later, a few years later, Aunt Marge gave... Um, Dudley a computerized robot and as an aside she gave a box of dog biscuits to Harry which like we can talk about Harry's presence that he receives from the Dursleys at a different point because um, I think there's a lot of really interesting theories about that um, so that maybe could be a different different episode but um, then on Dudley's 10th birthday he received 37 presents um, Dudley counts his presents on his 11th birthday and says, 36, that's two fewer than last year. But I guess it actually is only one fewer. Um, So on his 10th birthday, he has 37 presents. We don't know what any of those are. On his 11th birthday, he gets 36 presents. um, Plus the, like, additional ones that they go out and buy for Petunia to, like, make up for it being um, fewer than last year. (laughs) So those 36 presents, we don't know all of them, but they include a new computer, a second television, a remote control aeroplane, 16 new computer games, a gold wristwatch, a video recorder, a cine camera, which I don't get how that's different than a video recorder. I don't know what a cine camera is. Um, A remote control crane and a racing bicycle, quote, which Harry found odd as Dudley was very fat and hated exercise if it did not include punching someone. And in, in uh, foreshadowing to his boxing career. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a lot. I don't know why you would give an 11-year-old a gold wristwatch. That one really stands out to me. <laughs> <laughs> 
I really like the second television. I think that yeah. that's really funny. Well, just wait, because then in Prisoner of Azkaban, he gets another television, a brand new TV in the kitchen, which was a welcome home for the summer present for him because he had complained about the walk from the fridge to the TV in the living room. So, like, it was too far of a walk. So they get him a TV to put in the kitchen. And then it says that he just sat, sits in the kitchen all summer watching TV and eating. Um, it sounds like a good life to me. I know, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and then in Prisoner of Azkaban, Petunia buys him a new bow tie for Aunt Marge's visit. And then as far as I could tell, like after that in the series, they really stopped talking about Dudley's presence. There might be a few other instances. But even in those three books, that is a ridiculous number of presents. Yeah. It's interesting that we never hear about it again because Harry is supposedly in, like, at Privet Drive for every single one of Dudley's birthdays because it's, like, not too long after he gets home from Hogwarts. So I feel like he normally leaves around July, right? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's unclear because, like, a lot of the like, like the se- the third task happens like June twenty fourth or something. So, like, oh, true. He, I think he leaves like kind of end of June, so he might miss Dudley's birthday. My, oh, okay. And then it's like not really. I don't know. Dudley's yeah. probably already broken all his presents by the time Harry's. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> so next time we gonna talk about the where are they now section, which I alluded to a little bit earlier. So we do know that Dudley gets married to a very lucky lady, and. <laughs> Or, I mean, honestly, we don't know that it's could a woman. A it could be a man. Um, that's why I put my notes someone, because I didn't even put some girl, because that's how little information we have. We know that he does have two children, but we don't know the names of his children or his spouse, which is pretty odd, because we know the names of a lot of people, like, for the, like, quote-unquote, where are they now for a lot of characters. Yeah. Like, we know the names of, like, George's like, kids. And, like, Percy's wife. Yeah. That, <sighs> like are not not only are they not in cursed child but they're not i think that's because they're like in the weasley family tree yeah that is true yeah i guess that but these people are in harry's family tree yeah so like technically yeah oh, technically also in the they're weasley technically family. they're <laughs> also in harry and like they they overlap yeah. they're in the same family trees um so, I don't know. That's kind of interesting because we know a lot of names for a lot of people. Like, we know Luna's kid's names and her husband's name. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. That's just interesting. I assume they have very boring names. That's just my guess. And we do know that Harry and Dudley kind of keep up a relationship. Uh, many times it's said as quote-unquote christmas card terms is like Mm. the relationship that they have so they send christmas cards to each other and i do think that um harry and dudley chose to have their kids interact because it's important for them to like have cousins i know they're not like really first cousins because like dudley and harry are cousins but Mm. dudley and harry are basically brothers like they grew up together yeah um, and also, we do know that Dudley wouldn't have any other, like, his kids wouldn't mm-hmm. have any cousins on his side of the family, at least, because he's an only child, and, um, yeah, so there's that. So I think that my, I don't know if it's ever explicitly said, but the only reason that Harry and Dudley kind of do have the little relationship that they have is for their children's sake, because whenever they are together, they sit in silence and let the kids play. They just sit next to each other, sipping coffee or tea, I assume. <laughs> Also, it says that, like, 
I think it says in Cursed Child that Harry's kids, like, hate these interactions. <laughs> yes, they dread whenever they have to go yeah. over to Dudley's house. But I do like that they do have a relationship. I yeah. think that's cool. And we do know that Aunt Petunia has died by Cursed Child because... Dudley gives Harry the blanket that Harry was left Mm. in on the doorstep when he was cleaning out his parents' house and says, he, like, sends it to Harry and says that Aunt Petunia would have wanted him to have it, which... Even though she didn't give it to him. She didn't give it to him at all. So, yeah. But Aunt Petunia is also kind of one of those, like, fake redemption art characters. Yeah, that's... I'm excited for that. (laughs) It should be a good... Because we also do have a lot of background information of them because there was stories on Pottermore about how they met. Mm -hmm. So that should be a real good episode that I'm getting excited for throughout Joey and Dudley. And originally, this is just kind of fun, JK was going to make one of Dudley's children magical, but she decided against it because she said that any magic that would come into contact with Vernon's DNA would just die immediately. <laughs> I will say that there's a lot of fanfic and mm-hmm. a lot of headcanon out there that if that would be about if Dudley had a magical kid, which I think would be really interesting and kind of goes into play to that like fake redemption arc because yeah. I believe if he did have a magical kid, he would have more of that redemption arc. So I feel like a lot of these times we talk about these fake redemption arcs is when, like, things are kind of left open. Yeah. Maybe not so much with Draco because we have Cursed Child, which isn't canon, but anyways. Like, Dudley has the potential to have a full redemption arc, especially if he did have a magical child. Mm -hmm. So that's fun to think about. And I really like that headcanon actually a lot. I think that would be, like, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I like those ones. They're always kind of, like, nice stories to read. Yeah. All right, so Dudley's Cocktail and the 50 Amazing Cocktails Inspired by Harry Potter by Archie Thomas. Um, It is in the back of the book in the non-alcoholic drinks section. Oh, gross. (laughs) It is just a Shirley Temple. That is what it is. Okay. Um, It's called, renamed Big D., and it says, this cocktail is better known as a Shirley Temple. <laughs> That's what it is. And it says, <laughs> Named after a cute little child actor from the 1930s. Just don't tell Big D or he might get a bit angry. So if you don't know what's in a Shirley Temple, there's lime juice, grenadine, orange juice, ginger beer, lime slices, cocktail cherry, and ice. What? I always just thought like a Shirley Temple was grenadine and Sprite. Yeah. I think this is, like, an actual Shirley Temple. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) I do make alcoholic Shirley Temples. That's, like, one of my favorites because I'm a big vodka crayon kind of girl. I know. Basic bitch right here. But if you just have, like, grenadine vodka and a little bit of Sprite, pretty tasty, my opinion. Or, like, I think that also could be called, like, a vodka crayon spritzer. I think, like, that's just when you add Sprite to a vodka cranberry. (laughs) Yeah, fun fact. Hi, I'm Ryan Howard. And I'm Brady Jungle. And we're the hosts of Out of Contracts, a show where we watch and talk about a random episode of Star Trek every other Sunday. 
for each podcast, we've used a, a random number generator to select an episode of any of the Star Trek series. And then we talk about the story of the episode, what the writers hope to accomplish, and how the episode fits into the larger tapestry of Star Trek as a whole. The thing is, though, that each of us has only seen about a third of the Star Trek episodes in existence, which means that sometimes I'll watch a late period Deep Space Nine episode and have no idea what's going on. It's fun! So, if you've ever wondered about the logistics of love on the holodeck, or what it would really look like if all the water got sucked out of your body, then listen to Out of Contracts every other Sunday at outofcontracts.podbean.com or wherever you download podcasts. This episode isn't actually as long as I kind of expected it to be because I talked, it was like 45 minutes into the episode when we actually started talking about Dudley, Uh, but... To wrap up super quickly, we do have a pop quiz question, and it is, what is your favorite Dudley nickname? Nickname for Dudley. Yeah, so we did ask this in our Facebook group. Leia said, I've always... I've always liked Ickle Diddykins because I never got what Ickle would be a term of endearment. I agree. That's pretty funny. Also, like, I think of Ickle as, like, small and, like, yeah. he's not small. Yeah. Um, and then Sophie said, I've always thought Mar- Aunt Marge calling him her nephew poo was truly disgusting. And I would have to agree. They're pretty much all truly disgusting. Um, I'm scrolling back up to make sure I get this right. Yeah, I but scrolled back up, too. <laughs> my favorite one... I think it's Dinky Diddy Dums. I knew you were going to take that. Because I don't really remember that being used. And it also is just so strange. Yeah, I think something really interesting about these quote-unquote nicknames for Dudley is that they're longer than his actual name. Yeah. Which kind of... I don't know. I guess you can have nicknames for anything, but I feel like most of the time they're to make the name shorter. Yes. (laughs) But yeah. Dinky Duddy Dums is great because it's just kind of so outrageous. Yeah. I do, like, if I were to actually pick my, like, real favorite, not the most outrageous funny one, I like Dudders just because I feel like that's, like, actually a nickname that you would have. Him. Yeah. And, like, I feel like that's what his parents call him most often. Yeah. Like, yeah. Dudders is generally what they refer to him as. So I feel like that's, like, actually a nickname that is used multiple times. I feel like these other ones are more, like, terms of endearment, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, I think I'd go with Dudders or Big D because... <laughs> yeah. I also think if I had to call him something, I would call him Dud, just because, like, I mean, it's basic, but, like, that's... Like, I just shorten names to one syllable. Yeah. There are some good ones, though. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um... You can find our pod anywhere you get your podcasts. We are in the middle of our summer series, so podcasts are being released every Tuesday. Um, so make sure you go check uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts, download them, so you can stay caught up with us. And if you feel so inclined, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, really helps us grow. Yes, I checked the other day. I do believe we were at 27 reviews. So we are so close to 30 and we've kind of, we like stalemated at 25 for a really long time. So 30 has been a goal of mine for quite a while. So if we could get to 30, that would like literally make my life. Thanks. We're at 28. Ooh, we're so close. We're only two reviews away, guys. And honestly, you don't even have to like write something. I feel like a lot of people feel like they need to when they leave reviews, but you can 
honestly just click the five stars and you're done like very quick, very easy, yeah. and it would make but me so But I like so when you write happy. something. Yes, when you write something, I really appreciate it, and it makes me want to cry. Um, whether they're good or bad, honestly, it makes me want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> so, you can also find us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram. We are Wizard Studies Podcast. Our Facebook group is Wizard Studies Podcast Group. If you want to be a part of our pop quizzes, be a part of our giveaway, that's where you do those things. And then on Twitter, we are Wizard Studies Again, just as a reminder, you can contact us on any of those platforms to send us your address if you donate or if you like if you would like the buttons for Pride Month, or you can email us at wizardstudiespodcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, just do your best. We'll do the rest. And learn until our brains all rot. <laughs>